uh, fellowship afterwards, and I thank you for the music and the singing and, and, and the, the blessings that we've already had in the service, but Father, I truly believe that this is the most important time that is spent in a church service, not because of who is speaking, but because what we're speaking about, and Father, I know that there are people here who need to hear from you. I know that there are people here who are maybe struggling. And Lord, I pray that you would use me to be able to minister to them through your word. I pray that the Holy Spirit would come upon me. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us have open hearts and be receptive and ready to hear your word that we might apply it to our lives. We love you, Lord. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, well this morning we're starting a new series like we uh, had talked to you about. We're starting a series called Functional Family. We're going to be preaching over the next six to eight weeks over the uh, subject of the family. And uh, we, we're starting here in Exodus and we're going to be going to a lot of different passages through the series. But as we study the Old Testament, you'll learn about the children of Israel. And what you need to understand about the children of Israel is that they were a family. If you look at verse 1 of Exodus chapter 1, it says, Now these are the names of the children of Israel. The 12 tribes of Israel were actually 12 uh, children of this man, Jacob, who was renamed Israel. And the Bible says, which came into Egypt, every man in his household came with Jacob. And he are, here are his sons. These became the 12 tribes that we know as Israel. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all those souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls. So here you see, you got a family of about 70 people. And I'm not going to go through the whole story. You can read it on your own. But you know that there's a famine in the land. They go down to Egypt. Their brother Joseph is already there. He's become the, the governor or the second in command in Egypt. And they go down to Egypt. And when they're there, they begin to be put in bondage. And this morning I really want to preach to you about a man, Moses. But more than just a man, Moses, I'd like to preach to you about Moses' family and his parents. You don't have to turn there, but in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 20, the Bible tells us that Moses' parents were named Amram, that was his dad, and Jochebed, that was his mom. And in the story, we read chapter 1 to kind of give you the context, the setting that these people are living in. In verse number 1 of chapter 2, it says, and there went a man of the house of Levi, that's Amram, and took and took a wife, that is Jochebed, the daughter of Levi. So this, these people got married and had children in the context that we're seeing. And I, I want you to just, we're not going to spend a lot of time this morning, I just want you to see a few things in regards to these, uh, uh, just a few truths that we can get from this passage. But number one, I'd like you to see this. Moses' family had the odds stacked against them. Moses' family had the odds stacked against them. Moses' family was fighting a mindset that had been ingrained in them. Look down at verse number 8, Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8. The Bible says, Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. While they were there, when they first got there, Joseph was in charge. Joseph was their protector. Joseph made sure that they were taken care of. But Joseph died. And the Bible says, a new king over Egypt came, which knew not Joseph. Look at verse 9. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass, that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set. Notice, because they were growing and they were prospering and they were multiplying, verse 11, therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. 
And they enslaved them. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramesses, verse 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. Now notice verse 13. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. In mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field, all their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And I want you to understand this. At this time, and I'm not going to take the time to go through all the references, but at this time, the children of Israel were in bondage for over 400 years. And at the birth of Moses, they were probably in bondage for around 350 years. These people had been slaves for longer than the United States of America has been a nation. And if you look at our country and you've seen the the short span that we have as a nation and the culture that we have as Americans and the mindset that we have as Americans when we're patriotic and, you know, people say, "I, I bleed red, white, and blue and this and that. You've got to think that over the 350 years, this family that had become a people had been ingrained with a mindset and had been ingrained with a philosophy that we are slaves. This is who we are. This is how it's always been, and this is how it always will be. They knew about Isaac and Jacob and Abraham, but that was a distant past, that was a distant memory. Those people had been long gone, and for the last 350 some odd years, they had been slaves to the children of Israel. Moses' family was fighting a mindset that had been ingrained in them. The people had already a culture... Of we are slaves. This is what God. This is what God has forsaken us. God has forgotten about us, and this is just what we are. But not only were they fighting a, a mindset, Moses' family was fighting an attack of the king of their nation, Pharaoh. Notice verse twenty-two of chapter one. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, "Now you got to keep keep in mind, Pharaoh at this time in the world is the most powerful man on earth. He is the leader of the most powerful nation in the planet." And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. So you got to understand, the most powerful man on earth just said to Amram, and just said to Jochebed, When your son is born, we're going to throw him in the river, and we're going to kill him. And they were powerless to the attack of Pharaoh, the most powerful man on earth. Not only were they fighting a mindset that had been ingrained in them that things aren't going to get better. This is how they've always been. This is just who we are. Not only were they fighting an attack of the king, uh, of the most powerful man on earth, Pharaoh, but Moses' family probably, I'm sure you and I would, also felt helpless in their situation. Due to circumstances outside of their control. I mean, notice notice verse 1 of chapter 2. And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took a wife, daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that she was a goodly child, she hid him three months. Here you have a family, here you have a man who's dating uh, a woman, and then marries her, and then has children with her, and he's doing this, all this, in the context of, we're slaves, in the context of, Pharaoh's going to kill our uh, male children, in the context of, things aren't going to get better, we are helping. We are nothing but mere slaves, and and Pharaoh is all-powerful. And I I just want you to understand, their society and their circumstances and their lack of ability, seemingly, I condemn this family. Because remember, this was a family. The twelve sons of Israel, which became tribes. 
had seemingly condemned this family to a certain type of outcome that they were not able to get away from. Today, many families have the odds stacked against them. Many families today, to an extent, feel like Moses' family. Many families are fighting a mindset that has been ingrained in them. Unfortunately, we live in a culture, some people have been ingrained to believe that uh, this is just how family is, and this is just how neighborhoods are, and this is just how culture is, and and, and today, you know, in America, you just kind of get married, and the possibility of maybe actually staying married with that person for the rest of your life is just kind of a 50-50 shot, you know, it's just, that's just the way it is. Today, we have a mindset that you can't really raise children for the glory of God, and you can't really raise children to be honorable and have integrity and to be pure. It's just the way it is. You're not going to keep kids from being, uh, uh, you know, immoral physically. And you're not going to keep children from getting on drugs and getting on alcohol. Today we have a very defeated uh, mindset when it comes to the family. A lot of people have this ingrained culture in them that this is just how it is in my neighborhood. This is just how it's been with my family. My mom dealt with drugs. My dad dealt with drugs. I'll deal with drugs. My brother dealt with It's just, we've all struggled with alcohol. We've all struggled with pornography. We've all struggled with all these things. It's just the way it's going to be. And there's nothing you can do about it. Many, many families are fighting that mindset. Many families are fighting an attack, not by Pharaoh, but by the Pharaoh of this world. The God of this world, Satan. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, Satan is called the God of this world. And you need to understand this. There is a concerted effort by Satan to destroy families today. See, Satan knows if he can destroy families, he can destroy churches. If he can destroy churches, he can destroy nations. And you better believe that there is a Pharaoh, just like there was in the day of Moses, there is a leader that was uh, attacking the families of these individuals. There is a Pharaoh of this world that is attacking our families today. Many families feel helpless in their situation due to circumstances outside of their control. People say, I'm losing my marriage, there's nothing I can do about it. Pastor, she's leaving and she's not coming back. She's found somebody else. He's leaving and he's not coming back. They're just going to always struggle with drugs. They're always going to struggle with integrity. My children are, I'm losing their heart. I'm losing my influence. It's just the way it is. It's outside of my control. I can't deal with it. I feel like I'm just, like the whole world against me. It's the family problem of America today. This has led to a dysfunction epidemic. You've heard the term before, a dysfunctional family. Some of you have dysfunctional families. We all have some dysfunction in our families. But this has led to a dysfunction epidemic in America. Let me just give you some facts and statistics about the family in America today. Half of all American children will witness the breakup of of their parents' marriage in America. Of these children, close to half will also see a breakup of their parents' second marriage. 43% of children growing up in America today are being raised without their fathers. Children of divorced parents are at least 50% more likely to get a divorce than those from an unbroken home. Christians aren't doing much better. The Barna Research Group, which is a group that measures statistics within the Christian community, measured divorce statistics by religion. I'm not, I'm not a, uh, proud to read this to you, but they found that 29% of Baptists are divorced, the highest of all the U.S. religious groups, while only 21% of atheists and agnostics are divorced. We're not doing much better in our Christian community. 41% of marriages 
in 41% of marriages, one or both spouses admits to infidelity. 22% of married men have strayed at least once during their married lives. 14% of married women have strayed at least once during their married lives. More than a third of divorce filings last year contained the word Facebook, according to a survey by Divorce Online, a UK-based legal service firm. Three in ten teens, American girls, will get pregnant at least once before the age of 20. That's nearly 750,000 teen pregnancies every year. Close to 25% of teen mothers have a second child within two years of the first birth. 80% of unmarried teen mothers end up on welfare. The daughters of teen mothers are 22% more likely than their, peer, than their peers to become teen mothers. The sons of teenage mothers have a 13% greater chance of ending up in prison as compared to their peers. 88% of children in evangelical homes leave church at the age of 18. We're failing somewhere. 63% of teenage Christians don't believe that Jesus is the son of the one true God. 51% don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. 68% don't believe that the Holy Spirit is a real entity. 33% of church youth have said that the church will play a part in their lives when they leave home. 33%. 3 out of 10 kids that are raised in a church community will say, I will continue to worship God through my church when I grow up. So, Pastor, why are you sharing this with us? Because I want you to understand it. And by the way, what you say, well, I've been divorced. We're not, we're not judging that you, you're divorced, and obviously you can, you can pray and ask God to forgive you for that. But the point is this, and everybody that's, that I've ever counseled that has either gone through a divorce or is going through a divorce, all of them say this to me, I hope my children never go through this. And you know that's true. And I'm here to tell you that God has a plan for the family. God has a vision for your marriage, and God has a vision for your children. God has a vision for our churches and for our nation. But today, today, because of a concerted effort by a pharaoh of this world, there is an attack on the family, and it has caused a dysfunction epidemic. Where you almost can't find a Bible-based family, a Bible-based marriage. Now this morning... You can choose, like the choir saying, to be the one who beats the odds. I, I, I need you to understand, when it comes to the family in America, the odds are against you. When it comes to the family in America, you are more likely to fail if you don't take some precautions. And in Israel, or in Egypt, the children of Israel, all of them had this mindset that we're slaves, this is just how it is, this is how it goes, Pharaoh does what he wants, if Pharaoh says we're going to kill our kids, then he's just going to take our kids. But there was a family, there was a dad, and there was a mom who said, I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to choose to be the one, and I got the odds stacked against me, I understand that, but I'm going to choose to uh, perform some actions, and I'm going to see if I can beat those odds. Notice what they did, look at Exodus chapter 2, look at verse 2. And the woman conceived, that's Jochebed, there a son, and she saw him that he was a goodly child. Doesn't every mother look at their child and say, that's a goodly child? She, she took action, notice what she did, she hid him three months. In the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11, I'd like you to turn there with me, 
If you go to the end of the book of the New Testament, at the, the last book of the, of the Bible is the book of Revelation. If you go backwards from Revelation, you got Revelation, you got Jude, that's just one chapter, you got 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter, James, and Hebrews. Okay, so if you go from the end, you got uh, Jude, Revelation, you have Jude, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter, James, and Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter number 11, we find a, uh, uh, a commentary on Exodus chapter number 2. God gives us some insight into what's happening, or what happened in the story there in Exodus chapter 2. Hebrews chapter number 11. Look at verse number 23. Hebrews chapter number 11. And look at verse number 23. Hebrews eleven twenty-three says this. By faith Moses, when he was born, does this sound familiar from Exodus 2? Was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. Now I want you to notice something. And they, the word they there is his parents, Amram and Jacobin. And they, I want you to notice, and they did something. That other parents did not do. Other parents could have done. But they chose not to. But they, notice, they were not afraid of the king's commandments. And I'm here to tell you, there are steps that you can take and there are things that you can do to make sure that you have a marriage that's going to succeed in the eyes of God and to make sure that you raise children for the honor and glory of God. But you need to understand, when you take those steps, there are people in this world that are going to think you're weird. And think you're odd. And think you're silly. And if you're going to beat the odds, you're going to have to learn to not be afraid of the pharaohs of this world. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. Now here's what you're going to say. The opposite of fear in the Bible is faith. Notice the, the beginning of verse 23. By faith. By faith they did what? By faith they were not afraid. See, when we are afraid of this world, is because of a lack of faith in our God. And when we have faith in our God, we won't be fearful of this world. They chose to do something about their future family. They chose to do something about their descendants. They did not fear because they acted in faith. They said, we're not, we're not going to stand for this. We're not just going to turn our kids over to Pharaoh. We're not just going to turn Moses over to Pharaoh. He's a goodly child. We're going to take actions. I don't know how it's going to work out. And you know the story. They put him in that uh, little ark there and they sent him down the river. And they said, God, we're going to put him in your hand and God took care of Moses. But here's what you understand. The result of that, the result of a mom and a dad who said, I know the odds are stacked against us. I know we're slaves. I know we're ingrained in this culture where we just think, I'm going to get better. And it's just like this. And just kids rebel. And that's what they do. And marriages end, and that's how it goes. And people just live this way, and people just go. And, and you fornicate, and you get drunk, and you get on drugs. And it's just the way it goes. They said, we're not going to think that way. They said, we're not going to be afraid of this world and the king of this world. And notice the result. Verse 24. Notice this, these words. By faith, Moses. Now the first by faith was really about Moses' parents. But now we begin to talk about Moses. Notice what it says. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Now, notice verse 27, and just see if this reminds you of Moses' parents. Verse 27. By faith, he forsook Egypt. Now, notice. Not fearing the wrath of the king. See, when mom and dad say, I'm not going to be afraid of the king of this world, and I'm not going to bow down to the king of this world, and I'm not going to be fearful of the king of this world, and I'm going to act in faith, and I know the odds are set against me, and I know it seems hopeless, and I know it seems odd, and I know that actually serving God with your life and raising kids for the honor and glory, I know that's odd, and I know that's not normal, and I know it's peculiar. They said, we're going to do it, and here's what they did. They raised a child that then 
change the legacy of that family, but they change the legacy of a nation and they change the legacy of the world because a mom and a dad stood up and said, We're going to act like this. We're not going to fear. We're not going to be afraid. I know everybody else is giving their kids a peril, but we're not. I know everybody else has a slave mentality, but we won't. I know everybody else has lost hope and they didn't got to depend on but by faith we will raise these kids for the honor and glory of God. They raised a son who chose to do something about his future and his future family. They raised a son who did not fear because he, like mom and dad, acted in faith. See, mom and dad, you need to understand what you do, your children will do. You can sit there and say, don't smoke it. <laughs> don't smoke it back for you. But more than likely, that child's going to grow up to smoke. Because you do. See, the influence you have in your children is not what you say to them, but what you do with them. You can tell your kids, don't drink alcohol, kids. You can tell your kids, don't get on drugs, kids. But when they see you drinking alcohol, when they see you fornicating, when they see you not going to church, when they see you giving up on God, they're more than likely going to do the same thing. But when a mom and dad says, we're going to stand up and we're going to be different and we're going to be peculiar, we're not going to fear, we're going to have faith, then they raise a child that says, I'll stand up and I'll be the one and I'll be peculiar. And I don't care if the odds are stacked against us because if God be for us, who can be against us? Now you may be asking yourself, well, pastor, I'm, I'm just single. Or I'm a single parent. Or I'm a grandparent. I, you know, I've already raised my kids. Let me give you a biblical example uh, of that. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you're there in the book of Hebrews, go back, go, go back towards uh, Hebrews, uh, going backwards from Hebrews, I'm sorry, towards the beginning of the New Testament, you're going to go back uh, past the books of Philemon, Titus, and then you'll get to 2 Timothy. So you go past Philemon, past Titus, and 2 Timothy. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. If you're there in Hebrews, just go back, Philemon, Titus, 2 Timothy. You say, well, I'm just single. I don't have a family. I'm not married. I don't have kids. Well, notice 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. You ever heard of the Apostle Paul? One of the greatest men who ever lived. And the Apostle Paul, he was what's interesting on Paul. He was never married, never had children. But notice what he did. He wrote a letter to this young man, Timothy. He says, when I, that's Paul, a single man, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Talking about Timothy. See, Paul was single, and Paul was not married. And he might, you know, he might have the excuse to say, well, I'm not able to influence anybody. I'm not able to raise the bonuses. But Paul understood this. I can invest my life into others, even if they're not my children. Paul said, I'll invest myself into Timothy. And you say, well, I'm just single. But your life is still an influence to someone. Maybe you say, well, Pastor, these sermons aren't really going to apply to me. I'm a grandparent. I've already raised my kids. Well, notice the verse there, 1 Timothy 1.5. When I, that's Paul, a single man, investing his life into a young person's life, called to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Now, notice what Paul said to Timothy, which dwelt first in thy grandmother. You see that? Lois, a woman who was done raising her children, but continued to invest in her grandchildren. I'm done raising children. I'm a grandparent. You can still invest into your children's children. And you say, well, Pastor Jimenez, I'm a single parent. I'm what you're talking about. I'm already, I'm, he's already left, or she's already left. And I'm raising my kids by myself, and I'm already uh, uh, broken a little bit. Well, notice, and thy mother Eunice. Now, here's what's interesting about Eunice, Timothy's uh, dad, is that Tim, Timothy's dad, he, they talk about the faith of his grandmother, they talk about the faith of his mother, but dad's never mentioned. 
And Eunice may have been a single mom, or maybe she was married but raising her children with a husband who was not interested in the things of God because it's peculiar that his faith isn't mentioned. Yet she was still able to raise a great preacher, the preacher Timothy. Because notice says, And thy mother Eunice, look at the last phrase in verse 5, 2 Timothy 1 5, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Timothy, you say, well, Timothy didn't have a, a spiritual father, but Timothy had a Paul, and Timothy had a grandma, and Timothy had a mom that maybe was by herself, and maybe was working a couple of jobs, and maybe was just trying to raise her kid right, but I'm here to tell you that even in those situations, hey, God can use you greatly. But here's the thing. You and I need to choose to be the one. We need to choose to be different. It's going to require faith because of our fear. It's going to require faith because it's going to be fearful to maybe try some new things and go into some new roles. And there's some things in the Bible that God can teach you in regards to how to be able to have the functional family, not the dysfunctional, but the functional family that God has called you. Now here's what I want you to understand, okay? We here at Verity Baptist Church want to help you beat the odds with your family. The odds are stacked against us, I know. We want to help you beat the odds. We want to equip you to change your family's legacy. Over the next six to eight weeks, we're going to be teaching some practical lessons and biblical lessons in regards to how to have a Christ-honoring family. Next week, in part two of the series, we're going to be teaching about keeping your child's heart. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I feel like I'm losing the influence over my children. It seems like they take more heed to what their friends say than what I say. You say, well, what, what, how, why is that happening? It seems like they turned a certain age, and not before anything I said, they were, they were, they, they were with it, and they understood it. And they, but now it seems like their coach has more influence than I do, or their school teacher has more influence than I do, or their, their buddies, or their girlfriend, or their boyfriend, they have more influence than I do. As well. I feel like I'm losing my children. What you're losing is the heart of your children. We're going to talk about that next week. And by the way, some of you may be losing the heart of your spouse. I feel like I'm drifting. I feel like she's drifting. I feel like we're just not like we used to be. Next week we're going to be talking about the heart. And protecting the influence you have over the heart of your children and your spouse. The week after that, in part three, we're going to be talking about marriage. If you are married, we want you to be here in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about marriage, Bible-centered marriage, the roles that God has given a husband and a wife. It's going to be very practical things to help you have a successful marriage as far as the Bible is concerned. In part four of our series, we're going to be teaching some biblical truths about parenting. You say, I need, you know, a lot of parents come to me and say, I need help with my kids. They are out of control. We're going to teach you scripturally and biblically how to discipline and how to disciple your children to make an impact in their lives. We'll be teaching some biblical truths for parenting. In part five, we're going to be addressing all the young people. If you have a teenager or a young child, a preteen, you need to have them here for the fifth uh, sermon of this series. We're not going to be talking to the adults, I'll be honest with you, we're going to be talking to the teenagers and the children. That doesn't mean you drop your kids off and, and go have lunch or something, okay? You, we'll, let the, we'll let the adults stick around and you can listen in, but we're going to be primarily talking to teenagers and to young children. You need to have your kids here. In part six, we're going to be talking to the singles. And by the way, this, this will be good for the teenagers too. And we're talking about things like purity and preparing for marriage. And I'm here to tell you, you, you say, Pastor, what, what are you doing over the next six weeks? We're just going to try to give you some biblical principles to try to help you beat the odds with your family. 
Because I know and you know that the odds are stacked against us. And it seems like it's hard. It's easier. Now look, some of you have already given up. You've already, you have not yet left, but in your heart you've already given up on your marriage. And you have not yet left, but in your heart you've already given up on your children. You make statements like this, I can't wait till you're 18. And, and that way I can just be done with you. And you've already given up. Because the odds are stacked against you. And you just think, I, I, don't, I can't do it in the circumstances and my background and pastor the bondage I've been in and you don't understand my family history and I just don't know that this can work and I don't know. And I'm here to tell you, you can be the one that stands up and says, I know I'm a little fearful, but I'm just going to walk in faith. Now here's the thing, okay? It's going to take you to do it. You, you heard this quote before, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force him to drink. We can teach you everything, we, we can and will teach you all the things you need to know uh, in these different subjects, but here's the thing, it takes you to show up, it takes you to learn it, and it takes you to apply it. We want to help you. Hey, Pastor, this sermon wasn't very encouraging. I know, it, it, it's a very discouraging culture we live in, but I'm here to tell you, you can raise children, you can raise daughters, that dads, you can one day walk down the aisle and she's pure and she's a virgin. Even in 2014, you can raise a daughter to be a virgin when she gets married. Even in 2014, you can raise young men to be pure and to have integrity and to be virgins when they get married and to work hard. Even in 2014, you can stand at an altar and make a vow to God and say, till death do us part. And this idea, there was a day where it was common to see your grandparents and your, 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 your granddad and your grandma and they've been married for 50 years and 60 years and eight, and they'd only ever just been married one to the other and you say well that's God I know the odds are taken but you can still do that in America today you can still raise children that love God you can still raise children that at the age of 18 say I come to church and I read my Bible and I worship God not because I'm forced to but because I want to you can still do that you say well it's not very it's not very likely I know it's not very likely to raise a Moses while the entire nation is in bondage I know the odds are stacked against you but you can do it. And we want to help you. Imagine what could happen in your marriage. Imagine what could happen with your children. Like I said, some of you have already given up on your marriage. And I'll, I'll counsel with you and try to talk you out of it. But imagine what could happen in your... Imagine if God could help you turn that thing around. Imagine if you could have a better love than you did when you first got married. Imagine if that rebellious child you're struggling with and it just kind of seems like everything I say they go against it and everything I tell them to do, they don't want... Imagine if you could... Have their heart. Have them an influence over them. And a greater impact over your own children or your grandchildren than any boyfriend or girlfriend or friend or TV show or culture society could have on them. I'm just asking you, imagine that you could have a family with no dysfunction. That functions together the way God has called them to do. You can do it. You can be the one. If Amram and Jochebed, after 350 years of slavery, can say, we're going to be different, we're going to do things differently, we're not going to fear, we're going to have faith, and it can impact a nation and a family in the world, you can do it too, and we want to help you. Like I said, you have to make the choice. You have to decide. I will be the one. Bow ahead and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I... I pray that you would bless the message. I know it wasn't very long. I didn't 
want to be very long this morning. We have so many things going on. But Father, I believe, I believe that there is a mother in this room, there is a father in this room, there is a husband in this room, there is a wife who has already walked away, who has already given up, who has already said the odds have won and we cannot succeed. Father, I pray that your spirit would help them to find the faith and the courage to say, you know what, I will be the one. Lord, I I believe there's maybe some grandparents who are just kind of on the sidelines watching their children destroy the lives of their grandchildren. And they think they're done. They don't realize that they can impact that child still for the glory of God. There are some single people here that can invest themselves in the lives of some of these young people. There are some kids in our church that are being raised without a dad that a single man could kind of step in and be that influence that they need. Lord, we can all impact some sort of a family. Father, I pray you'd help us. I pray you'd give us the courage. I pray that someone would choose today. I will be that one. I'll show up. I'll learn. I'll apply. And I'm going to change my family tree. I'm going to change the legacy. I'm going to change the course. They've always done it a certain way. They've always been in bondage. They've always been on drugs. They've always been cheaters. They've always done this. But we're going to change things for my future family. Lord, I pray that you bless someone here and make that choice. In precious name I pray. Amen.